Good evening, and Larry, for you, good morning. Good morning. All right, we are in Romans chapter 8, continuing, learning about what it means to ride from the brand out of Romans chapter 8, and what we are going to be looking at tonight is continuing in on, on what it means to walk in the Spirit. Last night we learned what it meant to be in Christ. Tonight we're going to learn another aspect of that out of Romans chapter 8. Now, I have a friend uh, who liked to take me out to different restaurants when we lived down in Des Moines. And down in Des Moines there is just this plethora of wonderful different cuisines that we were able to go out and find and to eat. My friend Jason one day told me, hey Cody, I would like to take you out to get real ramen. I was like, what? What are you talking about, Jason? Like, usually all of your restaurant choices, they're good, but we're going to go to a restaurant to get ramen? Like, how many of you have ever had ramen? Right? It's the 25-cent pack of ramen that, that you throw into the microwave at home, and sometimes you can put some peas in there or something to make it a little bit better, right? So I thought, why am I going to go pay someone 10 to $15 for a bowl of ramen that I can make at home. You, do you feel me on that? Yeah? Yeah, so I was like, Jason, I don't know. He's like, Cody, I promise you're going to love it. And I thought, you know what, Jason? You're a guy that, that knows your food. You like it. You, you do all these Yelp reviews and everything like that. All right, I'll go try this overly priced ramen with you. So we went. And uh, we sat down at the restaurant, and they bring out this bowl I let Jason order for me. That's usually what I would do. And uh, this bowl was set down in front of me, and I was given this, like, ladle thing and chopsticks. And if you know what ramen is, it's, it's got noodles, it's got the broth and everything like this. But inside of this bowl, there was huge chunks of chicken. And then there was these this hard-boiled egg that had been sliced in two that was in there. And, and I looked at it, and I thought, this looks a little sketchy. And then there's, like, all of this spice. It was chili spice on top of it. And, uh, and so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stare at this for a little bit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my cues from Jason. Next thing I know, Jason's digging in. He's got that ladle. He's got the, he's got the chopsticks going. He's slurping. <laughs> That's how you eat ramen. I took Taylor back there later on, and this... These two guys were sitting next to me, and that's all they were doing the whole time. It was really not that romantic of a date because of it. Just it's all this slurping. Next, to, So I was watching him, and I thought, well, I, I guess I should probably do this. And I started, and the flavors that were present within that bowl were mind-blowing. You know what I mean? Have you ever had food like that, that you just start eating it, and you're like, wow, this is really good. That's what I kept thinking every single time, like, wow, there's more flavors that I'm ingesting right now. <laughs> and at the end of the meal, after the bowl was gone, I sat back looking at Jason, and I was delighted. I was satisfied. I looked at him, and I said, Jason, I will never doubt you again on restaurant choices. We would go get pho and everything like that, and even just like the weirdest Ecuadorian restaurants or some Indian restaurants, and he was always right on. And, uh, and I would always end up being satisfied. Tonight, 
we're going to learn about the fact that there's a battle brewing within our lives, within our soul, but yet there's going to be one thing that leaves us satisfied. You're saying, how does that correlate with what, it seems kind of like a stretch, and, and maybe it might be. But we go throughout our life trying to feed the desires of our soul. And we have competing desires that are present within our mind, within our heart, within our life. In fact, as we get into chapter 8, right before what Paul is talking about in chapter 7 is this battle that is being waged within his members. He sees that there's two different lines of thought that are present. There's two different desires that are present within his life. And I would say that this desire is something of a hunger that you have within you. A hunger to do something, to accomplish something. A hunger like when you want to play video games or you want to go uh, get on social media. How many of you are already going through social media detox right now and you're like, man, I just want my phone back to get back onto Instagram or the new threads or whatever it may be, right? Any, any of you there yet? You're like, man, I really, oh, there's some. Okay, you're the honest ones. Thank you for being honest. That, that's bravery. So, but we have these different desires, these different things that we want within our life, and Paul is seeing that, and they come into battle within his mind, and he's doing things that he doesn't want to do. And he's saying, why? Why do I continue to do this? It's because I see these two different desires, these two different lines of thoughts that are present within my mind. One, to obey my flesh, to try to gratify my desires on my own, to fulfill my desires on my own, to be satisfied by myself. And the other line is saying, no, hey, that's not true satisfaction. Long-lasting satisfaction is to please God. What you're doing there is sin. And that's when he comes into Romans chapter 8 after saying that thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's where we left off last night. That's what we were talking about, about how we can be free from the penalty and the power of sin. We no longer have to abide and live by, by gratifying the desires of our flesh, by pleasing them, we now can live our lives pleasing to God. We now have the spirit within us that's illuminated our minds to understand how satisfying it truly is. Young people, tonight what I want you to grasp onto, what I want you to understand is that it is far more satisfying to live for God and for his glory with your entire life than to live for anything else. I'm fully convinced of it. In fact, you will try to find satisfaction in all of the wrong places. And at the end of it, you'll be left in despair. But when you go to God and try to find satisfaction in him, you will not come back wanting. You'll be like David when he says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's satisfying. My soul is satisfied with his word. My soul is satisfied living for him. That's where we're going to be at in Romans chapter 8 
tonight. If you have your Bibles with you, I, I hope that you do. Pull them out right now. We're going to read from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. That's the text that we're going to be in tonight. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I'm going to read that again. Those who are in the flesh, those who live in the flesh, cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers... We're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. Let's pray. God, we praise you for your word. We praise you for doing a work in our lives through your Spirit to set us free from the penalty and the power of sin. God, I pray that as we move forward from that thought, that we would understand that we can live pleasing you with all of our lives. God, I pray that if there is anyone here who does not trust you as their savior, God, that their their minds would be illuminated, that their minds would, would understand your word tonight that they would see it as trustworthy. God, that they would understand what it means to be your child. God, I pray that your spirit would do a work in our hearts. Pray that you would allow us to be attentive to your word and that you would transform our minds to live for you. In your blessed name, amen. One of the key parts that we're going to be looking at here is this this phrase in verse 5 of for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. And with writing for the brand being our theme uh, simply put here in verse 5 it kind of gives us this division. In fact, when when we were here for junior boys uh, Tony O'Toole taught in the morning and he gave a great sermon on if you don't live for Christ, then you live opposed to God. If you don't live for God, if you're not God's child, then you live opposed to God, not able to please God apart from him. In fact, when when our junior boys came back to our church and they reported to the church what they learned, the majority of them said that that was the main thing that stuck out to them that week. I praise God for that. 
I praise God for the work of his word because it's the same thing here that we see that if we set our minds on the things of the flesh, we cannot live for God. In fact, we are not a part of God. We are an enemy of God. There's only two types of people within the world, God's children and those who are not. And it's a big issue within your life to consider Am I living for God? Am I a child of God? Have I placed my faith in Christ? Do I trust him for my eternal salvation? Or am I trusting in myself and trusting in just pleasing myself with my whole life? Doing the things that I find pleasurable and good. Which is it, young person? Which one are you following? Are you following God to give him glory with your life? which seems like this big thing of like, how do I do that? We're going to talk about that. Or are you living your life to please yourself? In fact, that's going to show itself in your relationships, how you treat your, your co-cabin mates or your cabin mates this week, how you, how, you, how you treat your counselors this week, how you treat your parents at home. It's going to show itself in all of those different ways, what you choose first within your life. Consider that tonight as we dig into this text. Which mindset is present within you? See, after we have placed our faith and trust in Christ, one of the things that we see here as we, as we move, move out of the first four verses, and it's even present there, is the fact that we have, for those who have placed their faith in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit that resides in us, the third member of the Trinity. See, that, that's that other member, that, that other person who's present that Paul talks about in chapter 7 within his mind. He sees this other law. It's the Holy Spirit that's present within his life that's illuminating sin within his life. So he has the Holy Spirit within him, and as we dig on further down, he actually talks about it, about how in verse 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who what? Dwells in you. That means that to be in Christ means that Christ is actually in you through his spirit, that, that you have the power of God residing within you. We're going to talk about how we can use that in our lives. How we can wield that. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is working within us that, that even as Jesus was here on earth, he told us that he was going to send a helper for us. In John 14, verse 16, he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell us to help us to understand God's word, to make sense of it, and to apply it to our lives at the moment of salvation. In fact, he even does a work to unblind our eyes to the truth of the glorious gospel. So our big idea tonight as we go throughout this is this. You need to be killing sin or it will be killing you. Now this big idea is not original with me. It's actually from an author named John Owen. And in his, in his short, actually it's a pretty long book, on just Romans 8.13, that's the big idea of that book, is that you need to be killing sin within your lives or it 
will be killing you. That's what Paul is driving at. He continually calls placing your mind on the flesh what? Death. And then in verses 12 and 13, he says that we are not debtors to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, you what? You put to death the deeds of the body. In other words, you will live killing sin. How does that take place in my life? How do I live killing sin? Christ is the one who became our sin offering. Don't you remember that, Cody? Maybe that's what you're saying in your minds tonight, right? How does that, how do I do that? Why why would that even be a part of of my thinking? We're going to get there. Ponder on that. But the first thing is this. The Holy Spirit changes your thinking. The Holy Spirit changes your mind. The Holy Spirit gives you a new way to think, a new way to see God. Before the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within your life, you were not able to love God. You could not. The text is very clear on that. That if you are apart from Christ, if you are apart from God, you cannot even please him. Isn't that an amazing thought? Like if I'm apart from God, I am living hostile towards him. My mind is hostile towards him. It's it's at war against him. It's always opposing him. It's always rebelling against him. Maybe you feel like your life is a constant fight against everything. The authority figures within your life, you're fighting against them. You're waging war against them. You don't want to submit to them. It's the same thing with God. We fight against him. We wage war against him. We don't want to submit to him because we want to submit to our own longings. We want to do our own things. I see this more and more with my kids all the time. And the kids, my kids, I love them. They're great kids. They have taught me so much about myself in relation to my Heavenly Father. In fact, as one of my great friends tells me all the time, that kid, God gives us kids so that way we can learn more about ourselves and, and to learn more about Him. And, and it is a lifelong lesson so far that I've been on of having them that, that even seeing when they fight against us, that, that they're not understanding the rules that I'm giving to them are for their own good. The majority of the rules that I give to my kids are for their own good. So we've tried to really start working on this, especially within the past two weeks as as I've started to hone in on this a little more, is this. With Clay, what I tell him is that, Clay, you are to listen and obey that it may go well with you. Guess what? That's not original with me. That's what God told the Israelites. Hey, guys, I'm giving you these rules so that it will go well with you and that you can inherit the land that I'm going to give to you and provide to you. I want your life to be good because I love you as your heavenly father. I've chosen you. I've given you these commands to obey for your betterment. And I see that all the time with my children of the fact that I give them these rules so that way we can have fun, we can enjoy ourselves. I've given them guidelines for their safety to protect them. Like, hey, Clay and Paisley, don't go out into the street. Why not, Dad? So that way you don't get hit by a car. Pretty cut and dry, right? (laughs) 
God gives us rules and now the ability to understand them for our good and for our benefit. And when we start to see what God is doing and we start to understand his word, we start to see him as he is not this wrathful, vengeful God seeking to destroy sinners. No, that's not who God is at all. God is a God who loves us desperately and has sent his son to die for us and has given us his Holy Spirit to live in his power so that way we can have an enjoyable life not just temporally here on this earth, but forever. You want to have a satisfying life? You want to have a fulfilling life? You want to have a life of meaning, young person? Give your life to God. Let the Holy Spirit change your mind. Allow God's word to work within your life and to transform you from the inside out. If you do not have the mindset of God, you cannot please him. The Spirit gives us a mindset of love. A mindset in which we are able to love God. We're able to love his word. And in 1 John chapter 5 uh, and all throughout 3.16, you look at all through 1 John, it's, it's this this book that's talking about how to know that for sure that we're God's children, then we're going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm excited for Taylor to get there this week. Our God is a God of love. He wants us to love him. He commands it that we love him. And he helps us to love him by giving us his spirit. He changes our desires. One of the things that I pray most for our kids changed about a year ago I used to pray that they would listen and obey you know just pleading as a parent just please (laughs) you parents here you you know what I'm talking about right then I realized one night I should be praying that my kids love God because if they love God then they're going to love his ways and guess what's part of one of his ways to listen and obey to their parents so if they love God that's just going to fall into place Maybe you have issues within your life and you're trying to fix them. Man, I just wish that I could listen to my parents at home. Man, I wish that I wasn't struggling looking at all this stuff that I shouldn't be looking at on my phone. I wish that I wasn't gossiping about all of my friends and different things like that. I wish that I didn't go down that path. We try to fix it. We try to mold it. We try to shape ourselves. And yet the the problem is, is that we're still loving ourselves more than we're loving God. Maybe that's the biggest issue within your life. Your desires have not changed. You're still walking in those old habits. You're still walking in that old nature. You're still living to to please yourself. You're trying to do these things so that way you can manipulate the circumstances of your life. You're trying to use God's commands to, to, to give yourself a more pleasurable life. Maybe that's where you're at. The Holy Spirit needs to change your thinking. Maybe you need to start praying, God, help me to love you and to love your ways all the more. And it's, it's kind of like this. Our, our desires change when we come to know God. We start to be able to, to detect what's real, what's genuine, 
what's truly satisfying and pleasing. We're able to discern with the Word of God what's right. So that way when we, when we do start walking wrongly, we're able to say, ah, something feels wonky within my life. This has a, this has a strange flavor to it, right? So actually, Larry, are you, are you out here? Larry, would you come up here? Larry's going, oh no, what did I, what did I just, give it up for Larry. Yeah. And then uh, the, other, the other person that I'd like, I don't know where you're at, Ellie. Ellie, I was running with you this morning from your, your town, Tim. Uh, what is it, Prairie Flower. Ellie, are you in here? Come on up, Ellie. Is it, is it your birthday today too? Come on up, Ellie. All right, great. Ready for this, Larry? I don't know. Ellie, are you ready for this? Okay. I'm gonna, you guys are going to provide an illustration for us tonight. Do you trust me? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you trust me, Ellie? You know, Ellie and I were like stride by stride until we hit the garage and we turned the garage and she just took off. And I thought, there's no way I can beat her. I'll end up throwing up if I try, so I just let her, I just let her go. All right, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. You're probably wondering. Do you guys like pop at all? Larry does? Okay, Larry, do you, do you like Mountain Dew? Okay. Are you sure, Larry? Okay, okay. Ellie, do you like chips? You do? Okay, that's good. Do you guys still trust me? Good. Kinda? Larry's getting nervous, I can hear it. Larry, don't be nervous. All right. Larry, I'd like you to take one of those cups, please. Ellie, take a drink of that one. Okay, take a drink. Okay, Larry, what'd you think? It's okay. Yeah. It's okay? Yeah. Okay, what, what is it? What are you drinking? Maybe Mountain Dew, maybe fake Mountain Dew? May, which one? You gotta choose. I don't know, Okay, okay. <laughs> Swish it around. Maybe gargle it. What do you think? It's fake Mountain Dew. You think that's fake? Mm -hmm. Which one did you grab from? Okay, Ellie, you try. Right. He, he, he grabbed from here. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, go for it, Ellie. You think it's real? Are you sure? Are you, are you just basing that off of Larry's? <laughs> Taste again. What do you think? Taste real. Okay. Ellie has the real, the genuine Mountain Dew. Larry has the fake Mountain Dew. Larry, how did you know it was fake? Uh, it didn't taste quite right. It didn't taste quite right. You, you, you want to know how I always can tell? No. The aftertaste. Right. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. The, yeah. When you have a fake one, it's just, uh, you can set those down. That's good. Thank you. I was going to have you drink both of them, but give them a round of applause. We'll leave it at that. Okay, so 
Now that's a fun illustration and all, and I don't want us to lose it. I like food, so I like illustrations about food a lot. And as I was thinking, I thought, this one, this one might work. So when we start to grow in the truth of God's word, our desires start to change. When the Holy Spirit starts to renovate and restore us from the inside out, our desires start to change, just like our taste buds change. A while back, Taylor and I, we've been, we've been buying all of these like generic potato chips because of how much Lay's cost anymore. Anyone else with me, right? It's like, man, I'm not paying no $6 for potato chips. That's outrageous. And then we had Lay's. They were on sale. And we were like, sell. Wow, did I really just say that? Wow. Woohoo! Sale. No, that wasn't even right. Anyways, we realized, man, these taste so much better than the generic potato chips that we'd been buying. It's the same way when we should be walking in the Spirit and we find ourselves in a lifestyle or a pattern of sin. It seems good for a moment, but the aftertaste of sin is what is so destructive. In the moment, it's pleasing. But the wake of it is bitter. It's not satisfying. It's disgusting. As we grow in the Spirit, we should be disgusted by sin. We should be able to see the different things within our lives and be able to say, hey, that's sin. That's wrong. Because the Holy Spirit is helping me to understand what is right and what is wrong. How does that happen? How does the Holy Spirit change our minds? It's through reading God's word. It's through studying it. It's through starting to apply it. And that gets into the next part. As we start to read and we start to study and as we start to expand our knowledge on who God is, we're going to start to understand what God is pleased by and what is truly satisfying for ourselves as well but ultimately how we can live in glory of God because it is due Him. So the second thing that the Holy Spirit does within our lives is the Holy Spirit challenges our sin. The Holy Spirit challenges our sin. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this next part and helps us kill it. The Holy Spirit challenges our sin and helps us kill it. What does kill mean? It means to, be, to put something to death. Think about that lamb that was sacrificed on the behalf for us, for our sins. Being Jesus Christ on the cross, we, we think about that image of how that lamb was dead last night. Well, the Holy Spirit helps us to kill sin that is present within our life. It means to cut it off, to take it away that no longer it has an effect on us. And, and now when we see these rebellious parts of our nature within our lives, it's like rooting out the rebel enemies that are still residing within us. We're not leaving any rock unturned. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and have access to all of our life. We're allowing God to come in and, and to change us completely. And we do that we do that by not quenching the Holy Spirit and his work, what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, and we allow God's work to sever into us, 
to, to pierce into us, not sever, but to pierce into us. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word comes into our life and it's able to show us what our thoughts truly are. It's able to help us to discern, to understand, to know, that's what discern means, to know whether something is sin or whether it's pleasing to God. Allow God's word to have that work within your life. In fact, when Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 and he gives us the armor of God, guess what we're holding in our, in our hands? What are we holding in our hands for those of you who know? The sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. So the thing that we kill sin with is God's word. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he use to combat Satan? God's word. He starts quoting scripture. So if, if Christ, the one that we're being conformed into the image of, uses God's word, which he is the incarnate word, To combat against Satan, why don't we? What is hindering you? Think about all of the hours you spend playing video games, or you spend watching TV, or you spend scrolling on social media, or whatever it may be. And how many hours you put into reading God's word and memorizing it, young person? Are you wasting your life and allowing your brains to turn to mush by what you are applying yourself to? Even some of us older people here, we need to hear that message as well. Colossians 3.15 says, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, Covetousness there would be like envying someone else, wanting what they have. That, that, that one is so common within our culture. We think that we deserve better than what we have. On the account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked. There's that word walk again in Scripture. When you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. How do we put on the new self? By the knowledge of our creator. That, that putting on is like taking off a, a shirt and putting another one on. Many of us, especially those of you who played football tonight, I hope that you go back to the cabin and you change your clothes. I touched one guy today, I gave him a pat on the back and I couldn't believe how absolutely sweaty he was. I'm not gonna point you out tonight, you know who you are. Because I said, wow, that was gross. And I tried to wipe my hand off, right? So we read God's word, we immerse ourselves in it, we start to memorize it, we, we look to Christ's example and, and, and we realize that studying God's word is very important. We need to use it within our lives. It's more than just being able to regurgitate it. It's understanding the words that you're learning. 
So as you memorize verses this week, it's great that, that you're making so many points for your team. It's fantastic. Understand the verse you're memorizing. So that way later on in life, you're able to say, hey, that's what that means. In this situation, I can use that right now. I can challenge, allow God's word to challenge me in my thinking, to challenge the sin that I'm about to commit. And now, I can kill it. Just like squashing it like a bug. Don't be a lazy Christian. Work hard. You want to have a fulfilling life? Work hard. Study God's word. Live by it. Abide in it. Grow in it. Don't be lazy. Growing up, I worked at our family welding business over in Mason City. My great-grandfather started it in 1939. And so then on the weekends and in the summer, I already had a job. It was going down to Huber's, working the counter. And uh, I'd have these guys come in that were, you know, like three, sometimes five times my age when I was 14. I don't know how old they were. Some of them were really old. And they were asking me for advice on what to do and what to buy for for welding supplies. I was like, I'm only 14. I just fill, I just fill cylinders out back, <laughs> wrangle them up and get them into your car and I give you some welding tips and stuff like that. So I was always so nervous about it. There was this guy who had been there forever. In fact, he just retired this last year. He, he, I think he was there for over 40 years at Huber's. Sam was like this walking encyclopedia. As I would see Sam, it was like, I'm going to ask that guy right there. And people would come in and they would, they would see me and immediately just request Sam. And it actually, I would just like breathe a sigh of relief. It was like, whew, thank you. Now I don't have to go to him. Sam would show me where to go to find the answers for what I needed. He would make sure that I would stand right next to him, know which books to open, which books to look at, to find in the catalogs what they needed. And one day I went back to Sam because I had no clue where to go. And he said, Cody, stop being lazy. And only the way that Sam could of saying, have you checked the catalogs yet, Cody? And I was like, ah, no, not yet. And he said, how about you go check the catalogs? I think you're being lazy right now. I was like, ugh. You know what, Sam? Right. I am being lazy. Sometimes... The reason why sin is present within our lives is because we're just lazy. The reason why you're battling against sin within your life is because you're just lazy. And you're not listening to God's word. You don't want to put the work into it. And you're apathetic towards it. Brother, sister, I plead with you. Don't be lazy. Allow God's work to do a work within your life. Apply yourself to his word. Be a part of a church. Don't forsake the gathering of together as believers. God puts that there for a reason. So that way when we need a kick in the pants, we can have a kick in the pants. When we need encouragement within our walk, we can have encouragement. So that way when we're struggling, we can come together and pray for one another. We're going to talk more about that later on about... Uh, 
as we go through Romans chapter 8, but we cannot be lazy Christians. We need to realize that we are at war and the enemy is dropping bombs everywhere within our lives. Everywhere we look, the things that we place into our minds, the things that we listen to, the things that we see, the enemy is trying to distract you. Your flesh wants to be drawn towards that. Allow the Holy Spirit, allow God to reign within your life, to have the preeminence, to to be able to, to rule and to be able to guide you to be your boss. Live your life according to God's word because God wants it to go well with you because he loves you. And, and, and use that love that God has for you to fight against sin within your life. Don't be bound to it. You have been set free from it. You no longer have to live by its power. You're placing yourself back in prison for no reason at all. You don't have to live like that. If you've got this, this sin pattern within your life, I I. I I plead with you to ask for help. Go to someone. Go to someone who's mature and wise in their walk with Christ and ask for help. Make sure you're placing yourself in relationships that will be God-pleasing and God-honoring. Choose your friends wisely, young person. Choose friends that will help you walk in the ways of God. You need to be killing sin or it will be killing you. Big question for tonight at the end of your papers there. It says next steps. And I want you to write down tonight what step do you need to take next? What step is present within your life in which you need to be killing sin? What is it that you've been neglecting? Has it been the study of God's word? That's your next step. I need to be, I need to be studying God's word to understand it and apply it. Have you been not going to church as a believer? That's a sin. You need to be going to church. Have you been placing yourself in the wrong situations? Have you been trying to find pleasure in the wrong things? That's what needs to change within your life. Maybe it's this. Maybe you just love yourself more than anything and anyone else within this world. You need to be praying that you would love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. What step do you need to take next? Let's pray. God, we praise you, we worship you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for sending your son to die as our sin offering, as a sacrifice for our sins, so that way we may be set free to live a life pleasing to you. God, I pray that if there is a young person here who is struggling with sin, that they would seek out help. God, if they are dominated in their life in sin, anything that is not pleasing to you, God, that they would seek help. 
that they would start to grow in a pattern of holiness in you, that they would allow you to do a work in their life. God, that you would remove the hindrances from their mind to be able to follow you. God, I pray that we would live in such a way that we would glorify you, that we would worship you with our lives, that we would live lives that are pleasing to you. God, if there is anyone here who is still resisting you and resisting your son and resisting what you want to allow them to be able to experience in their lives, God, I pray that you would remove those blinders from their eyes, that you would remove that hard heart from their, from, from their soul. God, that they would finally trust you and see you as good. Your blessed name, amen.